Welcome to the Keep Building Podcast. I'm Todd Lebo, CEO of Majestic Steel. We're here to keep you informed in terms of what we're seeing going on in our industry, the market, and relevant topics. So let's keep building. Welcome to the Keep Building Podcast. This is Todd Lebo. I'm here with Scott Peskowitz and Chris Billman. Today, we're going to cover 2021. What happened? It's December. It's been a crazy year so far. It's not over yet, but really want to kind of look back and step away because it's so easy to get caught in the moment in this crazy steel market. What happened in 2021? So let me kick it to Scott first. Scott, what are your top five things that happened in 2021 in the industry and market? Yeah, I I think we've had a lot of craziness happen throughout this year. And I really came up with these top five headlines. I think it really is an all-encompassing headline here. So number one, we had obviously all-time record high steel prices throughout the year. We had supply issues remaining, mill consolidation and mill utilization rates. Although they were high, they still could not keep up with the sharp V recovery and demand that we saw after the COVID lockdowns. We also had Section 232 recently ratified, where the U.S. announced that they reached an agreement with the European Union on lifting the 25% tariffs. And then lastly, over the last about a month ago, we had the $1 trillion infrastructure bill signed. We had a lot, like I mentioned, a lot of major headlines throughout this year. And I think those are really some of the highlights that we've had. Scott, you talked about finished steel prices being at all-time highs. I think they've climbed well over a year from the bottom in August of 2020 through September of 2021, tripling over that time, which is crazy to even think about. What is interesting to me is not only were the finished steel prices at all-time highs, we saw raw material prices climb, Um, We've heard nothing but talk about inflation, how prices to the consumer at their highest level, 30 years. But with that all said, I think you touched on it with the V recovery and consumption and demand. That still seems to be a strong and still improving part of the equation, so to speak, where as prices are climbing, people are still consuming flat world demands at its highest level um, in nearly a decade. So I found it quite interesting that as things are climbing on the price side, it's still not impacting demand. It's only scratch the surface really of what we expect to come. We talked about the infrastructure bill and all that going into it. Yeah, let's talk about the all-time high prices that we've seen in 2021. Over the last few weeks, it's it's cooled off a little bit, definitely more so on the hot rolled side than the cold rolled and hot dip gal side. We're at uh, historic spreads actually between hot rolled and cold rolled and hot dip gal at almost $400 a, a ton. You know, what are your guys' thoughts in terms of, I mean, the, the price climbed consecutively pretty much all throughout the, the year. I mean, wh- what are your thoughts around prices being at all-time highs and what to expect on that moving forward? Yeah, I think it's ultimately boiled down to a supply-demand situation. We talked about demand growing pretty much throughout the year. If you go back to the heart of the lockdown, March, April 2020, everything kind of shut down on the production side offshore was non-existent. And as demand continued to climb, there wasn't enough supply to keep up. And with that, we led to the sharp increase in pricing. The domestic mills trying to rebuild some of that production with utilization rates climbing back to levels pre-pandemic, but it's been just a game of catch up throughout the whole year as supply domestically in particular is still struggling to meet demand. So as we move into next year, we've heard talk of new production coming online, possible restarts of idled facility. But with that, there's a continuing climbing demand. So when are we going to find that balance? Are we going to find that balance? What do you think that's going to 
due to pricing as we move into first half of next year, Scott? Yeah, so supply issues, as you mentioned, mill utilization rates ran at 81.5% throughout most of 2021. And this is compared to about 67% in 2020. But overall, the tonnage still lagged as far as the, the increase in demand. As Chris mentioned, that sharp re recovery. The COVID lockdowns had immense pressure on the entire supply chain, but we still had construction, manufacturing, and automotive demand, which was elevated throughout most of 2021. Construction spending actually just hit recently a new all-time high, so we're continuing to see a major push on the non-residential side, more retail warehouses, distribution centers, healthcare facilities, things like that. And we're also going to be having the automotive demand now being pushed into 2022 with these ongoing microchip shortages. So that pent-up demand on the automotive side is still there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up carrying over throughout 2022, and it's going to still have a major impact on pricing. Yeah, I think the question here is, has that imbalance shifted now where we were short on supply for most of 2021 and demand rebounded pretty quickly throughout the year? to then right now, the market psychology and, and, and sentiment is that lead times have shortened and supply is available and imports are coming in. The question is, obviously prices can't go up forever. And at some point, supply is going to become more available than it was at the, at the peak of the tightness. But is it psychology? Is it seasonality? Is it buyers right now are, are concerned about buying into you know, peak prices and no one wants to get caught at the top? And what happens as we move into next year in terms of what demand looks like? And can the supply that's available today get absorbed in the market? And does it meet the market? And also, there's a lot more talk about foreign. I mean, we've seen the import numbers up year over year in September and October. However, October down from where September is. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts about imports playing a role in this market the Scott, you mentioned the adjustments to 232 and trade. How does that impact? We've seen how that's impact 21. How does that impact 22? Yeah, I think that was actually one of my top five headlines, the resurgence of the offshore market. I think it initially the push offshore was more due to securing tonnage, not necessarily trying to take advantage of a, a pricing difference from domestic supply. It was there was just no real domestic supply specifically on the spot market available. So what's the next best thing you do? You just try to go wherever you can find material to help meet demands and supply your customers. You talked about imports being up year over year, up 61% on flat roll through October. But if you go back to the first half of 2020, there was basically nothing coming on. So those are easy comparisons to make year to date. So we're, we are trending higher than we have the last few years, kind of back to 2018 levels. Scott said Section 232 has been revised. I think that's going to have minimal impact on the market. Europe wasn't bringing a ton of material into the United States. And what they were bringing is kind of what their quotas are moving forward. So I think how that's going to play out long term is more targeted towards the discipline and the consolidation we've seen domestically. The big four, so to speak, have really gotten bigger and stronger over the past year. On the flat rolled side, SDI, US Steel, Cliffs, and Nucor, we've seen make both horizontal and vertical integration acquisitions throughout the year to further strengthen their foothold, whether that be on, on the cost side into the scrap market, 
on the demand side into further manufacturing and production. So I think it's more going to be controlled domestically. And I don't think the rise in the import market's going to have a huge impact on pricing that we normally would have seen in past cycles. Yeah, the, the domestic mills now with the added tons coming in are hoping that absorbs a lot of the increased demand next year versus the pull coming on the import side. And I just wanted to add in one more thing on the Section 232 side. The administration just recently announced that they're in talks with Japan as well. So there is some leeway there now on the import side as far as what the tariff is going to be and if it's going to stick with the tariff rate quota like they have with the EU currently. But like I said, I really think a majority of the added demand increase in tons is going to be domestically and the import side is still going to be relatively flat. So do you feel that then the current lead time situation is more of a combination of just the, the market has plateaued and seasonality and come January we'll see that activity pick up because I think the ISM came out and showed that inventories on their side are at all time lows while demand is still healthy. So I guess that's the question right now. I mean, we're still in this, this game of so-called chicken and what does that mean for 2022? So I think that's a good segue in terms of, you know, it's tough to have a crystal ball in this market. But, you know, what are some of your guys' predictions for 2022 in terms of supply, demand, the market, and also just price versus reliability of, of supply? Yeah, I'll jump on this one first since Scott got to take all the headlines from last year. <laughs> Looking to 2022, I think it's going to be, I hate to use this term, but finding where it is the new normal, specifically on pricing. Historically, we've kind of found a range between say roughly $35 and $40 a hundred weight for coded base pricing on the index. Obviously that range is probably going to be a lot higher now. And where does that equilibrium between supply demand find itself? What does that do for pricing? And then with that added supply coming online and the increase in demand, I think it's going to be a harder catch up than people think when a mill comes online, it's not coming online producing mass amount of tonnage day one, but with that being said, their auto production facility coming back online is consuming that steel day one. So it's kind of a pull and push between supply and demand, and it's finding that balance or new normal, like I said, moving into next year and how this all shakes out in the end. Yeah, the, the analysts, this is kind of a recap of our one of our previous podcasts where we talked about the analyst outlook. Are we going to see prices be cut in half by mid next year, which is what they estimated? Or... Our price is going to, like the mill executives say, be more of a balloon slowly deflating over time. That'll be really interesting to kind of see how that plays out. There's also just the overall end market slowdown where there'll be any let up on the construction side, the automotive side. The mill executives say they still see strong demand outlook through the entire next quarter of 2022. So it'll be interesting to see when that starts to come to a, come to a head as well. And then, as we already mentioned before, when will imports start coming in? When will that be more important? Or will that be offset by, like I mentioned earlier, the domestic tonnage being added? Of course, a lot of the analysts have been saying the steel Mageddon is still a possibility where we have the oversupply on the domestic market. So again, it'll be interesting to see how the domestic production ties in with the imports and demand situation going forward. You know, Todd, I got a question for you. I think we've talked about it earlier, but 
think one of the big headlines this year was more of the consolidation on the production side. We've seen acquisitions and growth, the stronger get stronger. How do you perceive that to happen further next year? Do you see it moving more downstream into the further into the service center sector and on the production side? I'm just curious what you're seeing possible further consolidation in a domestic market. Yeah, I think it's a ripe M&A market for a lot of reasons. I mean, if you look at the performance of companies in 2021, their performance has been strong and at historic levels. And so that gives them the ability to be able to invest more in, in acquisitions as a, as a way to do that. So I think we've seen more announcements in 2021 than we have over the, the past few years. I think also we'll continue to see that. And as you mentioned, both horizontal and vertical. So it seems like we're going to continue to see that path. And those that are on the side of acquiring are, are looking at businesses that fit what their strategy is moving forward. So I think we're going to continue to see a robust market from that perspective. I think the other thing is being in the service center sector, the cost of steel today is much higher than it was you know, 12 months ago. So your cost of capital and cash flow plays a big role in this as we move into the market that we're in today. And so what happens in terms of the ability to continue to, to finance a steel inventory at these costs? And, and if the market does retract, what that does to cash flow? I mean, if it doesn't, just how far your availability takes you. So I think that in 2021, everyone was you know, kind of riding the market up and everyone was in a different position. I think in 2022, we're obviously not going to see the same market as, as 2021. And so it's going to bring new opportunities and, and new challenges. So I think it's just going to be dependent in terms of how each of those companies navigate that. I think there is still some more consolidation on the producer side. And I think obviously the service center side is a much more fragmented sector. So we'll probably continue to see activity there in the service center sector. Chris, you mentioned one of your headlines, you, know, you talked about inflation and obviously that's a hot topic across the entire economy. Steel costs are obviously still really high and there's usually a delay in terms of how that gets absorbed downstream into the market. But as you said, it hasn't necessarily had a major impact on demand in 2021, but in 2022, you know, do we see that having a bigger impact or is there a strong enough backlog still in terms of demand that it, it shouldn't have an impact? Yeah, I think the backlog is strong enough. We've talked about the pent up demand, specifically on the auto side. We just got in, saw November light vehicle sales today and they were down lowest monthly total since March of 2020, right when everything shut down. And I think the number one factor in that is just the lack of vehicles. We saw on the inflation side, the price is definitely up. I don't think it's up enough to deter people from going out and purchasing vehicles. We talked about consumer spending for the month of October. It was at near record levels. So as prices are going up, it hasn't deterred the consumer yet. I don't think it's going to have a major impact next year. We've talked about prices pretty much all across the board, specifically for construction, for building materials, spiked in 2021, but have sort of all of them plateaued or even declined where um, they're starting to equal, equal out a little bit, find their footing. Builders are able to work that into the plans. Some jobs have been paused, but others have continued to, to move forward. And I think the demand specifically for the non-res side, which we saw have its first year over year increase in September and well over a year, 
spending side recover. So as non-residential construction recovers, residential construction remains strong as another sector that has lacked inventory, where if you want to go buy a house today, you're either in a multiple bid situation or there's just not the house you want available to you. So I think long answer short, I think the demand is there. Inflation is an issue. We'll keep an eye on specifically how the Fed handles that and if it impacts interest rates at all. But overall, I think the demand and the backlogs are strong enough to keep that momentum moving as we move into next year. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think it also depends on how steel intensive your good is and whether or not you can absorb that into your cost of manufacturing or the, the project on the construction side. Uh, obviously, if it's a higher percent of the cost, then that's going to have a greater impact and whether or not it could be passed through or not. And then whether or not people try to delay or they can't afford to delay. But it does seem like going into 22 from a demand perspective, there's still a lot of positive signs in terms of overall demand. And, and also, I think it just varies by product and by region. I mean, you know, a lot of companies in the steel market, you know, we, we rely on kind of a one size fits all model in terms of how we think about the market or pricing or our, our contracts. But in reality, products and markets and regions are very different as you look throughout the country and what's happening in different regions that are impacted by different things in terms of whether it's, you know, the import market having an impact or whether it's weather that plays a role or whether it's demand or certain things that are impacting specific regions and specific sectors. So I think it's tough to kind of peg it as a, yes, this is going to happen as a, as a whole one size fits all. I was, I was just going to jump in real quick. We were talking about inflation being a possible headwind next year and rising prices, maybe deterring demand. But I think another one to keep an eye on is just the labor market. We saw weekly jobless claims kind of back to pre-pandemic levels, but I think the number of people in the labor force has declined. And there's people who have left that are never coming back, whether that be due to COVID fears, new variants popping up. I think that has more of an issue around the globe opposed to here domestically, different mandates when it comes to vaccinations or just the lack of desired. Um, if you were close enough to retirement, just decided to hang it up and call it a career you're not going to return to the market. I think that's going to be an interesting to watch as we move forward. Cause I know certain sectors more than others, construction, manufacturing, that's a concern that remains a concern and just finding people and not only just people, but skilled, skilled laborers to uh, help keep up with demand. Yeah. And the, the trucking sector as well, you know, how that, that employment situation is going to go forward next year. And that's obviously going to have a, a domino effect on the supply chain as well a lot of moving pieces next year that'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it feels like there's so many more variables today that we're tracking and managing than we used to. I mean, obviously there's a lot more information available in the market, but there's also a lot more influences as well. I mean, what's your recommendation to those that are listening in, in terms of you follow the steel market, you follow what's going on in your business trends. How do you manage through this, I mean, I have obviously, uh, you know, our thoughts and what recommendations to, to our customers, but, you know, what are your guys' thoughts? If you're, you know, whether you're a steel buyer or you're an executive of a company that is impacted by this, what do you think? Yeah, I would say one of the major things that I think is going to become important now, next year, into the future, we saw over the past decade or so, 
a push for globalization. I think that is flipped and it's going to be more of a, a emphasis on regionalization, getting closer to your customer, getting closer to your supplier, increasing the product availability into the certain sectors that you're supplying more localized. That's going to help with the supply chain issue. It's going to help with pricing. It obviously builds, builds relationships, better service your customer. So I think the more emphasis on regionalization kind of plays into the consolidation we talked about earlier, but being able to service your customer any way in the best way possible. And I think one of those going forward is going to be just be getting closer. The closer you are, better you are able to service that customer. Scott, any thoughts there? Yeah, I would just say rethink your supply situation. So maybe go away from the just-in-time inventory, maybe start stocking up a little bit more. With all the supply chain issues, we don't really see that getting better anytime soon. You don't want to be caught short-handed when customer calls and wants something. So I would say maybe just start rethinking the whole supply situation and how a lot of things have been done previously may need to be re-looked at. Read the core report every Monday diligently. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I think you got to stay real time with it, that there's so many variables that can impact it on a day-to-day basis, while also making sure that you don't allow the noise to drive what you need to do for your business. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, there's more noise in the supply chain and the system than ever. And everyone's trying to sift through that. But at the end of the day, you got to manage your business and everyone's business is different in terms of how the market impacts them. So I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, staying close to it, having trusted partners, putting reliability first over anything and being able to read through the noise. I think that we're not used to seeing some of the spreads that we're seeing in the market today. We're not used to seeing some of the ranges that we're seeing in the market today. And I think that, you know, some are being, you know, much more disciplined and and some are not, but at the end of the day, you got to make sure that through all the market cycles, you can continue to execute your business and not necessarily get caught up in a short-term decision that could impact your business negatively long-term. And I know that's how we operate. So I think that that's the biggest thing is making sure that you're staying in tune with the right facts too. I think there's always opinions and always analysis. And if you look back at what analysts say, what percent of the time are they accurate? What are they, what are they saying in terms of predictions and, and whatnot? But at the end of the day, you know, you got to manage your business based upon what works for you. So you know, that's the biggest thing with our audience is, you know, we want to keep you informed in terms of looking back and reflecting and learning from, you know, the past year, but also being able to then take those lessons and, and move forward. It looks like 2022 has some, some promising outlook in terms of demand, but also some unknowns in terms of the supply situation and the, the market. So in that situation, you know, you got to manage it closely and, and, and tightly. So that's uh, what we're doing here. And, you know, Scott and, and Chris, you guys do a great job. Appreciate you guys in terms of the information you put out there. As Chris said, I mean, we have our our weekly core report that's out there to inform the market in terms of what's actually happening, very fact-based in terms of the drivers of the steel market, as well as a lot of other information based upon individual company needs. So anything else you guys want to hit in terms of looking forward into 2022? Yeah, it's been a 
It's been a wild ride the last 18 months and just looking forward to how the market grows and how it adapts. One thing I've learned um, in the, by time in the industry, there's never a dull moment. So just looking forward to how the market changes and how the companies adapt because that's what growing companies do is grow and adapt and um, improve, take advantage of any situation that's, that's currently taking place. Yeah. I mean, Chris, what you were saying, I, I'll reflect back on that towards, you know, Majestic and definitely need to be able to adapt in 2021. Um, couldn't have necessarily forecasted some of the things that we had to do, but I think, you know, always putting the right people in the right place and, and investing in your business and investing in your people should then take care of your customers and, and, and take care of itself. So, you know, that's something that we keep doing. And that's why, you know, we push the message of keep building because we want to keep building. We want the industry to keep building. We want the market to keep building and we want all of our customers to, to keep building as well. So everyone stay safe, happy holidays, have a great close to 2021 and I look forward to talking in 2022 and, and seeing where the, the market is at, at that time. Thanks for joining. Keep building.